0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amy Each psalm has a title, and the title of this psalm is a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Sons of Korah, Korah, they are Levites from the family of Kohat and by David's time the sons of Korah were serving the musical aspect of the temple as we read in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 19 This psalm is connected with the previous two psalms and may refer to the Jews returning from captivity. These three Psalms, 46, 47, 48, are Psalms of praise. And Psalm 46 present God our refuge. Psalm 47 present God our King. And Psalm 48, God in his great city. That is the psalm that we'll study tonight. The occasion on which this psalm was written, we don't know it. Some say it is about the defeat of the Philistines by David as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 20. But since they mentioned ships of Tarshish, so some in this psalm it's, it's mentioned, so some say it is the overthrow throw of Amun, Moab, Edom in the reign of Jehoshaphat, as we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Verse 19, 25, and 36. And some say this psalm is composed to celebrate the deliverance of Jerusalem from Sanhareb in the time of Hezekiah, as we read in 2 Kings 19, 34. So this psalm celebrates the glory of Zion and her safety under the care of God, her divine protector, and Zion is a symbol of the Christian church. It is one of the Psalms of Zion, the church, used to praise the great God, his city, which is full of his glory. The psalmist calls Jerusalem, the city of the great king A title referred to by even the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the Sermon on the Mountain as we read in Matthew 5.35 The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the temple is the secret or in Zion is the secret of her glory Her refuge, her joy, her praise, her righteousness, and her testimony This psalm is a short psalm, only 14 verses So from verse 1 to 3 We speak about the city of the great king 4 to 8, the confusion and defeat of the enemies of Zion The church From nine to 11, the city of God is exalted and 12 to 14, city of God is protected. So let's start from verse one. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain. The psalmist began by describing The greatness of God and his worthiness to be praised. As we say in the divine liturgy, it is meet and right to praise you. He is high and exalted. He is of great power and glory. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. As we read in Psalm 145 verse 3 No one can understand or grasp How great God really is St. John Chrysostom says While they say great They don't go so far as To say how great No one knows that After all, hence he added as well and highly to be praised, because no one can comprehend his greatness. There is no limit to see to his greatness. And it is necessary to praise him. It is meet and right, it's fitting, it's proper to sing to him alone for his infinite and incomprehensible greatness of his being and where the best place to praise God God is worthy to be praised in his city, in his dwelling place in Jerusalem, in Zion, in the church He connected this praise with a place, Jerusalem. And he called Jerusalem the city of our God in his holy mountain. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain. God chose Zion to be his dwelling place and where the people in the old testament to worship him and to celebrate him and to celebrate the feasts this is the place where God meets with his people St. John Chrysostom said the reason of saying in the city of our God was to indicate that his greatness and glory is demonstrated through his marvelous works for his people. So if you want to know and to see the greatness and the glory of God, come and see his marvelous work in his people, in his church. Differently the Psalms when he said in the city of God in his holy mountain, he had in his mind the literal the historic city of Jerusalem but by inspiration of the Holy Spirit he looked at the perfect city of Jerusalem the city of God the new Jerusalem as we read in Revelation chapter 3 and 21 the two aspects Do not cancel each other, but complement each other. And he called it in his holy mountain. Because Mount Zion is called the holy mountain. And in many other Psalms, it's called the holy mountain. But, It doesn't refer only to the Mount of Zion, but refers to the whole city, not only to the hill on which the temple is built. In that mountain, which God has long ago set apart for a place of his worship, God actually decided in the Old Testament to be worshiped on this holy mountain but now it is the church of God. Verse two, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. So, he's looking at, the mountain and the temple and he is saying beautiful in elevation and we should know that the church of God is a mountain because it is above the world for elevation I think the Syrian said she is called his holy mountain on account of her being well-established in faith and her faith, like a mountain, no temptation could shake. Also mountain refers to the exalted doctrine and life of the church. And as we read in Isaiah 2, the word Zion and Mount Zion refers to the whole city not only to the mountain here in verse 2 he began to describe the city of God the city of Jerusalem and Jerusalem is set on a high place and wherever you travel in Israel uh, and you go to Jerusalem you will go up to the city from anywhere in Israel and indeed the elevation of the church is her beauty meaning what the more the church is above the world the more beautiful she is the more the church is above the world the more beautiful she is. Certainly the church of God, though rejected, humiliated, persecuted by the world, but the church of God, it's the true joy and hope of the world. As we say, the joy of the whole earth. The church of God is the joy of the whole earth. The joy of the whole earth if we speak about Jerusalem Jerusalem actually is so specially because Christ was born near to Jerusalem and from there there was great joy to the whole earth because Jesus is the desire of all nations as we read in Haggai 2.7 Also, the gospel went out from Jerusalem unto the whole world and brought joy wherever it came. Then the psalmist, after said, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, he said in the Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. On the side of the north, meaning that it is, the city is small and and hidden by huge mountains. Also the Assyrians who used to fight against the Jews came from the north. Although attacked, the church attacked from people of north, Yet she remained the city of the great king. This attack never destroyed the church. Maybe the psalmist meant to describe Zion poetically. For being well-known, important, elevated, distinguished, because the ancient believed the north to be the highest part of the earth. So by seeing, by saying on the sides of the north means it is the highest part of the whole earth. And it is the city of the great king. Ultimately, this is what makes Jerusalem wonderful. It is the city of the great king. There are cities with better natural resources and better natural beauty. But there is only one city, the city of the great king, the king of kings. What really made Jerusalem beautiful was the presence of God in her midst. So the first two verses, verse one and two, spoke about how the Lord is praiseworthy verse 2 Mount Zion is praiseworthy but what is the connection between verse 1 and verse 2 this is what the psalmist begins to explain in verse 3 verse 3 he said God is in her palaces he is known as her refuge so why Zion is so beautiful Because God protects Zion He is the refuge or fortress of this special place on earth God is our refuge also in distress And He is known to His people We know nothing else as our refuge except God The city was built on towers and castles But it's true strength and true fortress was God himself dwelling with his people. Though we are made kings and our houses are palaces, yet we have no confidence in ourselves, but trust in the Lord, our protector. The trust of the new heavenly Jerusalem, like that of the old, is not in man, or an arm of flesh, but in God who dwells in her midst St. John Chrysostom says Then to show how she is the city of the great king He adds He is known, God is known in her palaces Demonstrating his great providence That he saves her in every possible way not only caring for her as a whole, but displaying his providence in the case of each house. You see, while he is known to us, also, apart from this, he is known to our enemies, on the other hand, he showed his mind to them. So, St. John Chrysostom, about the word God, Is in her palaces He is known as her refuge He said God is not only known to the whole city But known in each palace Known in each house And known also to her enemies They fear him Verse 4 For behold the kings assembled They passed by together Verse four, we read about the threatening danger of foreign kings who are ready to attack and destroy the holy city of God. The kings, referring to the neighboring princes joined together against Jerusalem. They can be king of Amun, Moab, Adum, who attacked Jehoshaphat in second Chronicles, chronicles 2025, or meet the princes of Sanharib, or maybe during the time of Ahaz, to be Beka and Razin, 2 Kings 15, verse 37. So the kings and rulers assembled together against Jerusalem. They are advancing and came to fight against Jerusalem. But what happened? Verse 5, they saw it, they saw Jerusalem and so they marveled, they were troubled and they hastened away So, on seeing Jerusalem, they saw the power of God against them, they marveled they troubled and had pain as a woman in labor as we read in verse 6 Fear took hold of them there and pain as of a woman in birth pangs. What did these terrifying kings see that terrified them so much? What did they see? Perhaps the sight of the city with the walls and towers was enough for them they recognized that this place is too strong to be attacked with any prospect of success. Yes, they are mighty king, but now they are humiliated to the emotional state of a woman in the midst of delivering a baby, which is to say that they are not at all as frightening. They are not scary as they first appear to be. And their arrogance is transformed into fragility and weakness, their power transformed into failure and defeat. But it is not only the sight of the city, more importantly, God who protected the city. As St. John Chrysostom says, it is clear that in a state of the war being conducted in terms of human logic, it was God whose tactic directed the fighting, who not only depressed the enemy's spirits, but also shook their resolve by causing distress in their ranks, and prompting an unspeakable fear in them. He said, God who protects Jerusalem instilled in their heart unspeakable fear. It was the same as if a great fleet had assembled an unfavorable wind came upon them and smashed the ships, sank their ships, and instilled innocent disorder. So it is God actually who instilled fear in their heart. And according to Saint Ambrose, the woman in labor is the soul who is shaped through the work of the Logos. So God actually put in them this, this pain. A woman in labor, as long as she is in labor, she suffers pain. Yes, once she gives birth to a child, she rejoices. Verse seven, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. So to understand this verse, it is metaphorically of a great and violent destruction done by the arm of God upon Israel enemies. As when the east wind break the ships of Tarshish, In the same way, the wind from God, the spiritual wind, actually put this fear and terror in the heart of these kings. It is a symbol of the evil that attacks the splendor of the city of God. The gates of Hades shall not prevail again in the church of God. That is how it is with those who fight against the church of God. So we should know that the last word is not in the hands of evil, but in the hands of God. God triumphs over her hostile powers, even when they seem great and invincible. Verse 8 As we have heard so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts in the city of our God God will establish it forever. As we have heard we should be aware of the great things God has done in the past ages and pray with faith for great works to be done in our own time. As we heard, so we should know, so we have seen. As it has been heard from the promises and prophecies delivered out from time to time, that God will be among his church and among his people and will be their protection. He will destroy all his enemies, and the enemies of the church. So as we heard, now we have seen, now it is fulfilled, not only in our age, but in all ages. And in the latter days, before the second coming of Christ, their accomplishment will be full and manifest to all, as we have seen, as we have heard, Now we have seen. We heard the promise. Now we have seen the fulfillment. Have seen with our own eyes. Jerusalem, the church of God is delivered. We come to conclusion that God will establish it forever. God will establish his church forever. St. John Chrysostom says, that's to say, What we saw in words, he is saying, we have seen in deeds. So what we read in words, now we have seen in deeds, the victories, the triumphs of God, his care, his surprising marvels. After all, God did not ever cease performing them. And so it belongs to God, both to free from dangers and also to guide toward the knowledge of God verse 9 we have thought o God on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple so in verse 8 we, we read we have we have heard as we have heard we, we saw Now he is saying we have thought, thinking, he testifies before the people to confirm that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He who worked in the past works in the present and will remain working forever. So the thought turns from a focus on the strength and majesty of God to a consideration of his covenant love, loving kindness. Why God does this to the church? Because he loves us. Being at the temple, let the psalmist to reflect and meditate on the loving kindness of God. So After the victory, while they offered their thanksgiving in the temple, they meditated on the love of God and realized it to themselves as manifested in the new deliverance of Jerusalem, new deliverance of the church. In the immediate presence of God, we learn the true significance of events. For example, asaf in Psalm 73 he was confused. When this confusion was gone, as we read in uh, Psalm 73:17, "Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end." So when we are the confused, when we come to the church, our confusion will be cleared. The faithful people celebrate their thanksgiving to God in the church. They come to the church with sacrifices of thanksgiving. God's name is filled with majesty and greatness. So is his praise. And his praiseworthy character is shown in his righteousness and judgment. As we read in verse 10. According to your name, O God so is your praise to the ends of the earth your right hand is full of righteousness so according to your name so is your praise your right hand is full of righteousness God's name is filled with majesty and greatness So his praise also should be directed to his name and his praiseworthy is shown in his righteousness and judgment so it is fitting and proper to praise him. A just and honest view of God's character and doings will lead people to praise Him as far as His name is known to the end of the earth. St. John Chrysostom says, the psalmist says, He performs deeds so great and wonderful. God performs deeds so great and wonderful, so lofty and glorious. In other words, you give evidence of care not in keeping with the measure of the beneficiaries not in keeping with your dignities but in keeping with your greatness so God actually care about us according to his greatness according to his greatness the praise therefore and the honor actually uh, the praise, therefore, that is the honor coming from the deeds, caused the achievements to be well received. They were performed in Palestine, but on account of their greatness and importance, they had influence on the very end of the earth, and those at distance learned from them. Ends of the quote. So St. John Chrysostom said, when God do His words, He do His works, he, His words are great and wonderful, so lofty and, and glorious. So uh, here, he's saying to God, he's uh, Jean saying to God, you give your evidence of care, not in keeping with the measure of the beneficiary. Nor in keeping with your dignity. But in keeping with your greatness. According to his greatness. So the praise. That is coming. From his deeds. Caused the achievement. To be well received. So he said. Yes. He performed. This, these great deeds in Palestine. But because they are great. Everyone in the whole earth heard about it because of his greatness. Verse 11, let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughter of Judah be glad because of your judgment. So events are so remarkable and so suited to show That God was a just and a powerful and a merciful being Would claim universal praise and adoration His righteousness makes the whole universe want to praise Him Mount Zion is evidently used here to designate the city The city of God, the whole city And refers to the church in general So Mount Zion here rejoices. And let the daughter of Judah be glad Daughter of Judah is the Christians, the believers Because of your judgment So let there be a choir of joyful thanksgiving over the land Not only in Jerusalem, but in every city of Judah Because of God's judgment Because he has vindicated his people and executed judgment on their enemies Verse twelve. Walk about Zion, and go all around her. Count her towers. So in the last two verses, the city itself f- fades from view, and we see God alone. So we now the focus not on the city but on God. Now the psalmist is inviting the inhabitant of the city to walk around. It as though in position to testify to God's work with them view the city on every side observe is its strength and beauty and how it had escaped all danger that's why he said walk about Zion go all around her count her tower why he said count her tower the Lord himself is the tower of his people. He is high and strong, which secures and defends them from all their enemies. Verse 13, make well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that you may tell it to the generation following. So the psalmist is asking to consider most attentively how strong are her walls, how safely her inhabitants are well established and its power to defend itself. That you may be able to give a correct account over to the next age to inspire them with a belief that God is the protector of the city. So Christ is not only our shield but also our bulwark to the church. The church is built on a strong foundation and the church and the church is the church of God the bride of Christ. That's why the last verse verse 14 For this is God our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Uh, The church is able to resist all the assault of Satan because of her being directly under the divine protection. She has nothing to fear. The power of God surrounds the church at the mountains dead Jerusalem. So it is the duty of those who enjoy the blessing of salvation to share and tell others about the amazing divine work, and to talk about the high bulwarks set by the Spirit of God, where the believers would take refuge against the attacks of the enemy, to put their trust in the power of Christ, and to enjoy her palaces, God's gift through his church. Our Lord is a God, has proved himself the defender of his city and people and will continue to be the same forever and ever. The same God that builds and beautifies Jerusalem is our God forever and ever and will be our guide even to this. St. Augustine says this is God even our God for how long? Forever and ever. He shall rule us forever. If he is our God, he is also our king. He protects us, being our God, lest we die. He rules us, being our king, lest we fall. So our God, lest we die, our king, lest we fall. But by ruling us, he does not break us. For whom he rules not, he breaks So he does not break his people, but he breaks those who doesn't rule them. Thou shalt rule them, says he, with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. But there are whom God rules not. These he spares not as a potter's vessel, dashing them in pieces. By him then let us, Wish to be ruled and delivered, for he is our God forever and ever, and he shall rule us ever. This concludes Psalm 48. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.